Welcome to the Lead to Win podcast, the podcast where we explore strategies, mindsets, and stories behind successful leadership and personal development. I'm your host, Bo Bergen. Excited and honored to have Greg Berg on the show today. Greg has been in education for 29 years and has spent time as a teacher, coach, and school administrator. Currently serving as the high school principal, head boys basketball coach in Lake City, Minnesota. Greg is also the owner of GB1 Leadership and a licensed sports leadership facilitator through the Janssen Sports Leadership Center. Throughout his career as a coach, Greg's teams have enjoyed much success. 300 plus wins, 11 conference championships, including nine consecutive, two section championships, as well as many more accolades during his time as an assistant coach. Over the course of his career, Greg felt called to begin speaking and writing to share what he has learned with others in the hopes of growing the coaching profession and helping coaches build great teams and better leaders. Excited to welcome Coach Greg Berg to the show today. I just want to start off, kind of tell me what your journey has been and what's kind of led you to where you are right now. Yeah, you bet. Um, you know, I've I've always been someone who's been passionate about this type of stuff ever since I was in high school and college. I I kind of coached through college. I didn't compete. I was kind of a tweener, probably could have been a division three type athlete, I would bet. And, uh, you know, so I coached through college and I've always had this passion for leadership, culture, teams, success, competition, and like many of us have that are in this field. And uh, so I coached at a young age. I was a you know varsity coach at age 26. I was a principal at age 33. Um, I've been doing both of them now for quite a while. And so I've had all these experiences and I've, I've always wanted to take this next step. I didn't really know what it would be, um, but an opportunity arose uh, with Jeff Jansen where I became a leadership facilitator. I started uh, putting on these leadership summits across Minnesota, uh, that has evolved into, you know what, I'm going to start writing every day. I've got a lot to share and, uh, it hasn't been very long. I've been doing it maybe a year and a half, a little more. And I, it's crazy what has happened. I didn't expect it. I, I wasn't, I, I just, I felt like coaching is in such a tough spot right now. Officials finding coaches, the parent stuff that's going on. And it really, or it bothers me in my role to see that because I know how valuable it is for our kids. And I'm like, you know what? I want to do something to try to, you know, share what I think a lot of coaches feel. And I, I think what I've written does resonate with a lot of people. And that's, I guess, validates it. And, and that's kind of how I've gotten to where I'm at. And I'm just excited to keep sharing this, trying to influence and impact other people and, and hopefully make a, a positive influence um, that can help coaches, help our profession, help kids, help, parents help everybody just be better so you you coach boys basketball correct yep you <laughs> talked about the uh the parent aspect the officiating aspect of how hard it is being a coach right now do you have anything in your program um that kind of you have a system in place that kind of alleviates some of those parent issues or uh spectator issues anything like that to kind of help yourself you know, I, I think number one is being very proactive as a communicator. I, I think whenever there's a void, 
in communication and negativity is going to fill it. So whether you're a coach or an AD or a principal or whatever it may be, the more proactive you can be and get stuff out ahead of time and let people know this is what we do, this is how we respond, this is what we expect, you know, that alleviates a lot of headaches. It doesn't alleviate all of them, but that's step one. And then, you know, it's it's like my definition of culture. Like you got to address things every day when they happen, because if you don't address things, they turn into bigger things. And that's with adults and with kids. I mean, kids, you know, we know that they try to push the envelope. I don't care how great your kids are. There's always an envelope they're trying to push. It was raising my own kids. It was the same thing. And I think, you know, all too often, and I, I share this with parents at seventh grade orientation as a principal, I'm like, you know, your kids are teenagers. Their brain isn't developed. Don't believe everything they say. It doesn't mean they're bad kids, but I, I had two great kids. I didn't believe everything they said. You know, I, I tried to trust other adults that were involved in their life, you know, before I, I rushed to a judgment or, or anything like that. And so being proactive, addressing things as they come up, I've had very, very, very few issues in my lifetime with parents, you know, with coaches, coaching and all that. Um, but I, I think it's, we're proactive. I think we communicate pretty well. It's not perfect. We still have things pop up, but if you don't address and deal with things, they're going to turn into big things. And that's a big part of it. So what is your, I, I know the answer because I've read a little bit of your book, but what's the, your definition of culture? <clears throat> what, you know, give my listeners what yeah. it's all about and your, your definition. And, and like we were talking at the beginning, you know, culture kind of gets this bad rap, the word. I'm not a huge fan of it. I think, you know, you do get some eye rolls on occasion when that word comes up, but I, I really view it. And I'm not a big sit in a circle, kumbaya, you know, do all these team building activities. That's not who I am at all. Culture simply to me is what you allow, what you emphasize every day. And so you apply this. I, I use this example a lot. Um, you know, if your kids, if you allow your kids to show up late, one minute, two minute late, you know, late to practice or late to wherever without consequences or without expectations, they're going to keep pushing the envelope and that's going to impact your culture. So you're allowing that, right? Whatever you do has to, you have to address that if that's important to you. That's a little thing. If kids are walking through our school and they're talking to their buddies at their locker and they're swearing, you know, they might be talking to their buddy and they're not affecting other people. But if I don't address that when I walk by, it doesn't mean I'm going to discipline them. I'm just going to say, hey, guys, you know, not here. We can use better words. You know, address it. I'm allowing it. And if you continue to allow things like that, it it turns into a culture that maybe is something you don't want. And so what you allow on a day-to-day -day basis is really important. And then what you emphasize, I, I don't think... One thing I learned very young as a coach, I uh, went to a clinic and it resonated with me is simply said, it's not what you do, it's what you emphasize. So true. Like as a basketball coach, I could preach rebounding every day at practice and we don't even have to do rebounding drills and we're going to be a pretty decent rebounding team because I am talking about it, I'm emphasizing it and our kids know it's important to us and to me. And so you can't emphasize everything. You got to pick a few things that are really, really important to you. You know, for us on a bas our basketball team, I talk about three things all the time. I talk about no deposit, no return. It's kind of the theme of our program. It's basically about commitment. It's about putting, you know, time in and, and being fully committed. 
I talk about being an energy giver and having a good attitude because those are really, really important. And then I talk about being a we first player, team first. And I just feel that if you have committed kids that have our energy givers with good attitudes that have a focus on team, you're probably going to be okay. You know what I mean? Obviously you need other things, but those three things matter in life. In our school, we have three things plastered over our school and we're not a perfect school, but the kids hear this message over and over again. And it's positive attitude, best ever, respect others. And again, if you live by those three things, you're probably going to be okay in life. And uh, so simplifying what is important to you. And then finally, every day, this is where a lot of coaches, I think, um, get lost is, you know, they might put something on a piece of paper, say, this is our culture. This is what we believe in. And they share it and they do all that. And then they don't address the day-to-day things that happen. I'm in the middle of our basketball season right now. I've got great kids, but their kids are kids and they're always going to try to push the envelope. And, and you have to address things as they happen because you're molding the culture every day and, and culture never arrives. You know, it's just ongoing. It's no different than raising your own kids. And when they mess up, you got to know when to push, when to pull. And and that's really the art of coaching and leading is, you know, how do I pick my battles? How do I know what is important? How do I maintain the standards that I want? How do I know when to push, when to pull? That's culture, that's leading, and that's really what it's all about in my mind. Yeah. Um, So obviously, you know, I know coaches, they, they're big on chalk talk and, you know, they, they like getting on the whiteboard and uh, doing all those things. But, you know, say I'm a coach that, you know, I'm listening to what you're saying. I really want to develop what I want to allow or not allow. I want to, you know, just write some things down about what I want to emphasize on a day-to-day basis. That I think that's good to do. But how important is it for me as that coach to have – you know, kind of know which way my moral compass is facing and kind of what I stand for. Uh, how, how important is that when I'm making that list? Well, it's, it's critical. Um, you know, you're the leader, you're the face of the program, you're the leader face of the school of whatever it may be, the athletic department. And, you, you know, you have to lead by example. All leadership begins with self-leadership. And I even think there's a first step with that. All leadership begins with the choice to lead. Like there's a lot of people that, um, don't want to lead. Maybe, you know, they, everyone thinks they should be leaders. They don't choose to lead. That's really hard. Like you really have to choose to lead and then you have to lead by example first. And then once you lead by example, you can begin to lead out loud and and verbally and do more things. But you, yeah, as a moral compass, like you are the, you're where everything starts. And so if you don't lead yourself, right, if you don't lead by example, if you don't have that moral compass, like you said, of, of knowing what is right, what is wrong, what's ethical, what is not ethical, nothing else is going to matter. So I totally agree with you. It all starts with that, you know, that personal moral compass of who you are and who you want to be and what's right and um, what's wrong. So when I think about as a, as a leader, um, maybe I want to find out what, what the temperature of my program is or my organization do you have any tips or advice on somebody that kind of wants to do a culture assessment? Maybe maybe they're new to the position, uh, don't really know what the culture is all about, uh, which, in my opinion, they should if they took the job. But, um, yeah. you know, any tips on kind of assessing your culture? You know, I don't have – you just gave me a great idea, though. <laughs> um, 
to put together some type of assessment. I think, you know, whenever you go into a new position, you, you've got to have your few things that are non-negotiable for you, right? Your moral compass, what you really believe in, you know, and you got to share that with people right away. Like you got to come in and say, you know what, I'm going to get used to, I'm, I'm going to get to know people. I'm going to get to know the culture. I'm going to build relationships. I'm going to take time to do that. But these are the three things that are who I am that are non-negotiable right now. And then I think you got to take it in and, and everything we're in the people business. And so everything starts with relationships and ends with relationships. And you got to get to know people. You got to get to know systems. You got to get to know, you know, what is allowed, what is emphasized. And you got to take that all in. And then you use that to kind of make your plans moving forward of, okay, how am I going to change the culture? What direction do we need to be better at? What do we need? Where do we need to grow? And then you can start, molding and influencing people, you know, from there. But you have to start with that, th those non-negotiables of who you are, that whatever they may be for you. I kind of mentioned them, you know, with us already. Mine is, you know, team first, attitude, committed kids. Like those are the three things that are non-negotiable for me that you're going to hear from me from the get-go. Um, but, you know, I, I think talking to people and building those relationships and asking them and taking it all in, is really, really important. I mean, we could do some assessments and, you know, have people fill out forms. I do, I do a, a self-perception preseason form every year with my kids. I get a lot of feedback from them, not just on um, them and our goals for our team, but also their perception of our teammates and where their role is in relation to the team. And I'm really trying to get an assessment of our group going into the year. Hey, where do you think you are? in your role? Where does the team think you are? Where do I think you are? And it helps me know who do I really have to have these good conversations with uh, to make sure that we're all on the same page. You know, so there's different things like that that can be done. Um, but yeah, it, it's, you got to take it in. You got to meet with people. You got to build relationships. Would you agree that, you know, if you're thinking about taking a new position, would you agree that a lot of that stuff needs to be done before uh, you, you take the position? Well, I think you should try to get as much information as you can. I, I think sometimes you don't know everything until you actually get in there. Um, but you should know the big things. You know, I, I've got perceptions of all of my, um, you know, other schools that we compete against and their cultures of their programs. There's always an outside perception, um, you know, but you have to do your homework. I think for any job, you need to do your homework and you need to kind of find out the strengths and weaknesses in the direction um, and what their needs are, uh, absolutely. But I, I do think there's a lot of things that you don't find out until you get in there too. That's very true. Very true. If I'm a leader that wants to dive in, I want to improve my culture. I know it needs changed. Um, where, where should I start? What's step one? Uh, what are a few actionable things that I can do right off the bat, uh, to start doing that? I, I think you have to define culture to the, to the team. I think you have to determine who your leaders are. Um, I think you have to set out your non-negotiables of what's important and, and you can't throw, you know, one thing I did as a young coach that, you know, I don't do now is I had the, you know, the, the 10 things, the 10 principles of our defense that we were going to use or the, you know, it's too much. And, and when it becomes too much, kids lose sight of it. So you really got to pick a few things that are important to you and kind of roll with it. Um, you know, I think that's, that's step one. You got to find your leaders. Um, I call them gatekeepers of the culture. And, and it's not just your player leaders, it's your administration, it's supporters of your program. 
you know, the, the, the community members that are showing up at every game that are really bought into what you do. It's your parents. I think it's important to build relationships with parents at a young age. It will save you a lot later on when you have tougher decisions if you've built a positive relationship with them at a, at a younger age. And I think you got to find the, the parents that you can trust. Um, you know, I give this example sometimes where, you know, we had a, a parent who, who got it, had, you know, multiple athletes. They're all college athletes right now. Um, the parent was a college athlete. Uh, both of them were themselves. And uh, they were also a close friend of mine. And I knew that I could trust her uh, to be an advocate for our program, what we believe in, what's right behind the scenes, in the stands, you know, and so forth. And you got to find those people. And that, that's even more important, I think, today than than anything is having those people that are get what you get, they understand it, and they can advocate for you behind the scenes. And that's really what being a gatekeeper of the culture is all about. Because we can control our team, we can control our practice, we're not in the locker room, we're not behind the scenes. We we need more people than just our team and us to really build the type of culture that you want. And something you mentioned on, I think, one of your articles or tweets or something, I, I noticed you said that culture is organic. And, uh, you know, I, I believe that, but I also believe that there's certain things, you know, within the organization that you have to do physically or mentally on a daily basis uh, to build or and sustain a positive culture. How would somebody go about, uh, you know, kind of developing and implementing a system for, uh, culture improvement or change? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it all starts with you got to define what you want. Your moral compass has got to be what's important to me. What am I, that's where the what do I allow comes into play. What do I emphasize? Um, that's where everything starts. And then you got to communicate that. And you got to communicate that to all these stakeholders. You got to communicate it to your team, to your leaders. And then you have to live it. As a leader, we have to live it. We have to model it. Um, and we have to expect it. I. I really believe that, you know, if you really think about it, any team, all teams practice, all teams think they practice hard, all teams want to win. I mean, every team has the same goal, but some teams consistently do it better. It's generally because of the standards at which they do things. And it's the standards of their culture and what they allow. It's the standards of their practice and what they allow. Um, and there's this balancing act as a coach and this is where the art of coaching comes in. Cause you can't be this dictator type in your face person, you know, but you have to maintain high standards. So how do you balance that? And that's when you know, how do you know as a coach when to push and when to pull, you know, how do I know when, a, when I have to pat a kid on a back or I have to get on him a little bit? I mean, it's an art and it's not easy and it takes time. And it's really what managing and leading people are all about. You know, I've, I've said a lot, player-led teams win, okay? So true. There are times, though, as a coach, where you don't have that player-led team that you want, and you have to lead. And you might have to work your tail off more as a leader to keep people moving in the direction that you want. The best seasons are the ones where you can step back because you know your players are taking care of it and, and they're leading. You can win and have success in both ways. We just know that if you can get to that player stage, that's the epitome. You can apply this in my role as a principal. Teacher leadership is really important. Okay, When you have great teacher leaders, and I hire great people 
I can step back and things work way better. But there are times where I'm, I might have to step in because the standard isn't where we need to be and I have to be that that leader. And, and you have to know when to, you know, when you have to really step in and lead and when you can let other people. Um, and that's kind of that, that's the art of leadership. And you learn it with time. There's no magic, uh, you know, secret to that. Uh, but it's really important. Yeah. And last question on the culture piece uh, in this first section here. Um, yeah. Kind of describe the relationship between the good or bad of culture and the impact it can have on the team's overall performance. You know, I, I think when you, it, you're an AD, okay? I'm a principal. When you've had teams that coaches that have gotten themselves in hot water or trouble, whatever it is, 95% of the time it's going to come down to a poor culture or weak team leadership. And it's not X's and O's. You know, it, it's it's never X's and O's. As coaches, and I'm, I'm guilty of this, I love the X's and O's of basketball. I was a football coach too. I love the X's and O's of football. I mean, I'm one of those guys I'd sit and I'd be, I got papers all over diagramming all season long in the off season, you name it. But in the end, culture and leadership have to be the priority, number one and two, because without that, nothing else matters. So I think, you know, we have to do more to make sure coaches are building their culture and developing team leaders. I created this team leader OS, which is more of a systemic way for coaches, schools to develop and build their team leaders because it's so important. Uh, we all know it's important. We can't just wait and wish for a team leader to show up at our door. Um, we might get one every five, 10 years. That's great. And we have a phenomenal season, but if we just wait for leaders, good luck. Like we got to systemically build and develop them. It's not going to be perfect every year, but it has to be an ongoing discussion because ultimately it's what's going to define our program and our team in the long run. And so, you know, that relationship is so important. And I think it's why as leaders, we got to do more PD for coaches. We got to grow them in developing leaders. We got to grow them in developing their culture um, because that's where they get themselves in trouble if, if they do. Yeah, speaking of PD, I've kind of been diving into this a little bit for my coaches and kind of trying to figure out what exactly they need. Um, what's your advice on finding, you know, I don't want to like nitpick each coach. I can go down through the list and say, hey, this coach needs this, this coach needs this, but I'm trying to think of an overall need for our department. What's your advice to try to find that out? You know, I'm in – I'm in the midst. I've created, I mentioned this team leader OS. I, my long-term goal is to have this ultimate PD resource library for coaches, ADs to access, to pick and choose what is important to them, like you said, because, you know, I built this team leader OS very um, practical, but also, you know, a coach can kind of go all in on it or they can pick and choose things out that are important to them. They can use me as a voice to talk to their kids or they can take the lead and do it themselves because I, I know how it works. Like I, but it's so important that we got to develop leadership. And so, you know, I'm trying to create these like mini courses within there that an AD could use with a coach or a coach could access themselves. You know, I, I I'm putting things in there like um, the first year coach, you know, it's a, a short 20 minute video for the first year coach, things that are important 
uh, in being a, a coach. Organizational skills, communication skills, how to deal with difficult parents. I created something for parents that coaches or ADs could share with parents on how to be an MVP parent. So I'm trying to create little things that can be a resource library that an AD, a coach could grab what they want. It's kind of like my, you know, my newsletter that I write weekly. You know, I know people read them and they read them quick and something might resonate. My whole goal is to send out things that are going to resonate with a coach that they can grab and throw into their program or their team. Because ultimately we're busy as coaches. We can't do it all. But we want to pick and choose what's important to us. Um, and use that. And that's really what I'm trying to do. I don't know if that answered your question, but um, it is a need, uh, especially with how hard it is to find coaches now and how young they are. And they need a lot of training and they need a lot of growth and development. We need to support them um, because if we don't have coaches, we don't have team sports. Right. Yep. It's uh, gradually beginning to be a little <clears throat> concerning. Um, I don't know how it is up where you're at, but it's, yeah, it's, it's getting harder and harder to find coaches. And, you know, I'm, I'm almost looking at quality people. Like I, I want yeah. just quality people. I don't care how much you know about the sport. I just want people that are good, uh, good to be around our kids. And um, I've, I've had a little luck with that in the past and sometimes it doesn't work out, but uh, that's kind of where we're at. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you that in hiring coaches, hiring teachers, like, Give me, we're the people business. Just give me good people. Yep. Then we need to train and develop them, you know? So switching gears a little bit, uh, yep. into some leadership stuff. Um, this is kind of a, this is a question I've asked to a few of my guests cause I want to hear their, their input on it. But do you think that people are, do they have to be born with leadership qualities or can it be taught and, or is it just a little bit of both? It can definitely be taught. I, I think people have some natural characteristics to lead. Um, but like I mentioned before, leadership has to start with a choice. You know, you have to choose to want to lead and then you have to lead by example and then you can begin to lead out loud. loud. I think that's the natural progression. Um, if, if we just felt that leaders were born, that's really a fixed mindset. That would be like saying, well, kids can learn algebra or they can't. You know, that that's not how it works. And and I, I think sometimes people think leaders are these extroverted, outgoing, rah-rah people. But if you really read the research on leadership, the best leaders, okay, are quieter, unassuming, driven, you know, very detail-focused, introverts. Those are your best leaders. Um, one book that I'll reference, The Captain Class. I don't know if you've read that by Sam Walker. I love that book. He he worked for the Wall Street Journal. He's a huge sports fan. He spent a decade researching teams, uh, like the most successful teams in the history of sport, like the, the New York Yankees or the New Zealand All Blacks or the, you know, the, the San Antonio Spurs when they had their run or the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team. And then he dove into those teams and interviewed people and, and really wanted to find out what made them tick. Did they have this dynamic coach? You know, why did they win? Why were they so successful for so long? And it all came down to uh, they all had an elite captain. And all those captains had similar qualities. Tim Duncan, Tom Brady, Carla Overbeck of the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team. Um, quiet, 
unassuming Bill Russell, not the most talented player on the team. They've had to work for everything they've gotten. They are relentless workers in practice. They refuse to lose. They, they held their teammates to this incredible standard in practice. And, and they all had similar characteristics. And if you think about it, those are your best leaders. And those are the reasons that those teams won um, over and over again. You think of the U.S. Women's National Team. If you've researched Carla Overbeck at all, you know, Mia Hamm, Brandi Chastain, those were the, that was the face of U.S. Women's Soccer. The leader was this Carla Overbeck who played defense, didn't score many goals. She was the leader. Everyone said it. They knew it. That's why they won. And so you need someone like that in your best teams. Uh, and, and, and that's developed. I mean, that, Tim Duncan wasn't born a, a great leader. I mean, he, he earned that over time. Um, so it's a skill that can be learned. Obviously, you have some characteristics that help. But, you know, I think you really growth mindset when you're looking at leadership. So as you said earlier, player-led teams win. Um, you know, a lot of us coaches would love to have just a steady stream of, of athletes coming in that, you know, they're just natural leaders and they want to lead. They, they choose to lead, as you say. Um, but sometimes that's not the case. And it kind of goes back to that development piece. But, you know, if I'm a coach and I know that I'm going to have to, you know, I go into this season – I know I'm going to have to either find a leader or teach somebody to be a leader. What are some specific things that I need to do to make that happen? I think, first of all, you hopefully are starting that well before your season starts. Like I'm talking when, when they're youth, when they're young. You can tell your kids coming up who are your kids that maybe are going to be people that kids uh, gravitate to, right? And working with them at a young age and try to develop them so by the time they get up to that varsity level where they're with you is really important, number one. Um, <clears throat> number two, you know, you've got to talk to them and teach them what it means to be a leader. I give our team leaders this um, team leader checklist at the beginning of each season. It's nine items that I expect out of team leaders. I give it away for free. It's one of my free resources. But it, it's nine things to talk about, you know, what you expect. Um, I want you to be what we call a, a, um, a junior firefighter in the locker room. you got to put out the small fires so I don't have to deal with the infernos later on. Um, you've got to bring positive energy every day to practice. You've got to be one of the hardest workers on our team. You know, there's a lot of things that team leaders need to do. you got to manage the locker room. You've got to be a connector of people and make sure that you are including all members on our team in our, you know, anything that you do outside of school collectively. You know, all of these things go into being a leader, but you got to, we can't assume kids know that. You know what I mean? We have to teach them and, and have them be the intermediary between our team and us. Um, and you got to be willing to have tough conversations with them. Ideally, I want our leaders to deal with all the stuff going on behind the scenes and so they'll come to me and they'll talk to me and say, hey, coach, we have this going on. Any ideas, any, you know, hints, anything I can do. And, and I'll, I've done that multiple times where I'll give them an idea. I'm trying to teach them how to deal with the situation. Sometimes they can't and it has to come to me and I have to deal with it. But ideally, we want our leaders to be able to address that. that that's how you build a player-led team. We've been really fortunate. Um, we've had a really successful run. And in that run, we 
we've had multiple years we've had young guys as key contributors or even starters on our varsity um and that has allowed us to perpetuate some leaders so kids are playing maybe in ninth and tenth grade which is a you know if they're ready they're ready but i'm molding them and developing them so by the time they become a senior they've been through that and they can help be the leader you know for that next generation and that that perpetuates itself and that kind of helps build your culture too um those are a couple things that i think are important as coaches to do so once i have them identified the leaders on my team uh, or they've proven it to me maybe i didn't have them on my radar earlier uh, but they've really proven to that they can step up and be a leader um, how can I as a coach best foster that and nurture them as leaders and uh, help them to develop to be the best leader they can for their team? Yeah, and I, one thing that goes with that that's really important is one thing I share to my team at the beginning, and it's all part of this, is the power of collective leadership. And I think we have to define with players what leadership is. So many kids think that the best player just has to be the, the leader. You know, the best player needs to be the captain. Now, we would all love for that to happen, but the reality is maybe 20, 25% of the time, your best leader is your is your best player. And so we have to recognize, that, you know, I'll, two of our most successful teams we've had in the last few years that have gone to state and, and done well, some of our best leaders were guys on our bench that brought this incredible spirit um, and led from our bench. And so you have to validate them. You have to let the team know, like, this is a type of leadership. You know, I, one thing I write about in the Team Leader OS is there's multiple types of leaders. Okay, there are game leaders. That might be your, your best player that on the court needs the ball in their hand. I mean, they might not be your best leader at practice. They might not be your best leader in the locker room, but they're your best leader on, in the game, and they have to know that's their role. You also have to have the locker room leader, and that might be a different person but it's that person that keeps people connected in the locker room. You need, I, I call it like a humor communication leader. Um, that person who can kind of crack that joke at the right time, that is a great communicator and has great emotional intelligence and can, can kind of keep people connected. You know, my son was um, about the ninth player on our team. So he kind of was a tweener with playing time, you know, and in close games, he's also one of the best leaders on our team. He's one of the reasons we went to state and, and did really well was he he was our humor leader he was our connector he kept everyone together he kept the team together you need different types of leaders and you have to share that with kids and um validate that with them and then you have to build this relationship with them all season long and i think that kind of goes to your question is this is all about communication and relationships day after day you wrote Something in a, I think it was a blog post that I was reading the other day. Um, it kind of stuck out to me that, and that was that no one is thinking about you harder than you are thinking about yourself. And, you know, that, that stuck with me because, you know, we all have a little bit of, <clears throat> we're our harshest critic a lot. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, personally, I've, I've been, I've struggled with that for a while, but more so since I've been in this leadership role the last six or seven years. But um, so we're oftentimes super critical of ourselves um, and put so much pressure on ourselves, which can that can lead you down a slippery slope. Yep. Um, what advice or words of encouragement would you have for somebody that's dealing with that and, uh, you know, who might be 
kind of stuck in a hole of that self-inflicted pressure or criticism. Yeah. And I, I think there's, there's like, this is all on a continuum, I think. So one, I think what you might be referencing, I was talking about the 20, 40, 60 rule. So you've got coaches that might be young and they're worried about what other people think, you know, in their twenties, I think that's very normal. Like we're just, we want to please everyone. We want to please our players. We want to please parents. We want to, you know, promise playing time, you know, things like that, that get us in trouble. You get to your forties, you start not caring about what other people think. Then you get to your sixties and you realize, and I'm not there yet, but um, people weren't thinking about you to begin with. Like, you know, they're, they got their own lives. Right. Um, but then you got the other end where we're, we're too self-critical. So you can't let other people's criticism affect you. You got to be confident enough to get through that hurdle. Um, most coaches are hardest on themselves. Most leaders are hardest on themselves. And so you also don't want to go down that end because that can be really tough when you inflict, you know, all this on you. It can affect your family. It can affect um, your personal life. And you, you, we need to, that's a continuum. All of that's a continuum. We need to live in the middle, right? And I think remembering your why as a coach is really important. I think it's so easy for us to get hung up on wins and losses. And when those don't always come, it, it can be really hard and we can be hard on ourselves. And we need to remember why we got into this and what's important. And if you think of, you know, I got into this to make an impact on kids. I got into this to help develop our kids into great adults and use the vehicle of sports and the vehicle of my sport as a way to do that. You know, that's why most people really got into coaching. They, they really want to make an impact on kids. And then I think, you know, the, you got to think of the small victories, the game within the game. Um, sometimes it's not just the win, the one or the, in the win or the loss that matters. It's, it's the small victories within the game that can be the, the win or the loss. And so if you're a part of a team that's not winning a lot, focus on something different. Focus on small wins that can be victories and lead to bigger wins. And I, I think that's true with leaders and coaches too. Like, uh, remember your why, focus on the small wins. Um, you don't want to be a starving baker. Um, the starving baker is so worried about doing things for other people that they forget to take care of themselves. They forget, they don't remember their why. And, and then they're not good for anybody. I mean, to be best for our team, to be best for our family, to be best for our job, we have to be best for ourselves first. And that's hard for some people to get to, but be the best version of you. That'd be my message. And then if you're the best version of you, you're going to naturally be the best version for the people that you're serving or working with. For sure. I want to ask a few personal questions. Um, yeah. Who are some of your favorite people to follow on social media in regards to like coaching or um, leadership in general? You know, I, I follow like John Gordon, um, James Clear, who wrote the, the habits, you know, the great habits book. Um, guys like Alan Stein, John Beck are people that I follow that I really like their message. And then I've got, you know, a lot of coaches, you know, I'm, I read a lot. Um, I, and I also dig into a lot of people that aren't, um, you know, we wouldn't view as leaders in sports, but they're just leaders in other aspects of life. Cause I, I think, you know, just we can learn from everyone. Right. I mean, that's really something that's important to me. I, I'm a huge Jay Wright fan, you know, he's not coaching anymore, but I love his message and his books. And so, you know, I follow him and, um, you know, even 
even Dion. I mean, Dion's thrown out all sorts of uh, interesting tweets. Um, some of them good, some are interesting, but he, he's tweeting a lot. He's an interesting guy. Um, you know, so random people. I'll, I'll, I'll basically learn from from everybody. Yeah. So you've written plenty of books, um, plenty of books on culture. Is there one book that you've read from somebody else in particular that uh, you would say kind of helped shape some of your philosophies on uh, leadership and coaching? Uh, without question, uh, John Wooden, The Little Blue Book, A Lifetime of Observations and Reflections on and Off the Court. It's like my second Bible. I mean, I, I read it every year. I reread it. Um, it's got so many nuggets in there that are just great for coaches, but great for anyone. I give that book to all my seniors at graduation every year. Um, it, it's a phenomenal book. I mean, it, it's this big, it's little, it, it has so much in it. Um, I would highly recommend that book. I've got a lot of other books. That's the one that I always come back to. Yeah. Anything John Wooden is, uh, is gold. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so tell me a couple of, uh, things just off the top of your head you know you've been in education what 29 years is that what i saw yeah hard to believe <laughs> so tell me a few things that you've learned maybe you know maybe you did one thing a certain way and early in your career and you learned to do it a different way things like that I, first of all i would say we're in the people business people matter this is all about people i tell everybody as as a principal my most important job is to hire great people if I hire great people, my job becomes easy, right? So hiring people, uh, growing, developing them, letting them go, letting them do their thing. I think the same thing can be said as a coach. Now, obviously, we don't get a handpick all the kids that come to our team every year. But um, what you emphasize and what's important can help mold and shape them. And then letting them play free. You know, that's one thing I think that I, I do as well. Same concept. I, I want to put you in a position um, to be successful. And that's, that's really huge. I think, you know, COVID taught us a lot about the power of school and the power of relationships and community it has nothing to do with, with, um, it's very similar to coaching, how we said the X's and O's are pretty minor, you know, the X's and O's of school, all right, aren't going to happen until, um, the culture and the leadership and, and, you know, the, um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs are met, right? Like we've got to meet kids where they're at. We've got to develop relationships with them and, and then we can teach and learn. And I think, um, the power of school and community was really, really evident after COVID. I think it, I mean, a lot of schools that set back a couple of years, the development of kids. And I think we're finally getting that back. Um, but people matter. People need people. Um, the, the, the biggest Harvard study I don't know if you've seen that recently on happiness. It was like a 75-year study where they followed people for 75 years and they looked at who was happy in their life and, and who wasn't. And the underlying message is it's all about relationships. The people with the best relationships later in life and throughout life ended up being the happiest people. And I think that's easy for us to know, but as a school, as a coach, as, as whatever it may be, relationships and people matter. That's, that's a huge message. And then lastly, I would just say, um, life's really about habits. Um, create great habits, create great small habits. If you want to make a change, start with a small habit. I, I think, um, habits win. Uh, it's not complicated. 
you still you got to put the time in you got to do the work um but it all starts with uh, day-to-day habits consistently done over time so over your career when where or when have you experienced the most growth would you say in your in your life or your career Ooh, good question um you know i think having your kids go through you know like my kid we became an empty nester this year so my kids have both gone through school they were both three different roles on different teams they I mean, we had state championships um, and being on teams that didn't win much. I mean, they've been the whole gamut. I've I've seen it all. And I I think just, you know, I have a unique background in that, you know, I coached at a really young age as a head coach. I got out of coaching for a little bit when I became a principal. I couldn't be a head coach for a while. I came back and I've been doing both. So I've got this lens of coaching really young stepping away in my 30s you know when i'm in my should be in your prime coaching at the youth level at that time coming back to the varsity level learning a lot um having kids go through it being a parent and then being an administrator and seeing all the the outside stuff so i've got so many lenses and i think going through the full experience as a parent just kind of brought them all together to understand how how this all fits and uh you know, I, I've, I've learned a lot and I've seen a lot. And uh, that's part of the reason I'm, I'm writing and sharing what I share. Um, when it's all said and done, when you're, you know, I don't, you don't have to be dead or anything, but when, <laughs> when it's all said and done, what, what do you want you, um, what do you want Greg Berg to be remembered by? What do you want your legacy to be? A deep question. Um, you know, I think ultimately I just want to leave, leave where I was at better than when I got there. I, I, I think, you know, as a, as a principal, I want to leave the school a better place than when I got there as a coach. I want to leave our program, you know, in a really good place, um, better than it was when I got there. Um, and, and it's, it's about relationships with people. Um, it's about influencing and making an impact on kids and ultimately just trying to make the world a better place. I mean, it's, it's hokey, but, you know, I, I said at the beginning, you know, we're at a, we're at a tough part with coaching right now where, you know, from the pro to the collegiate level, it's so easy to blame and, and point fingers at coaches. And that's filtered down to the high school and youth level. And, and we know you and I know, and as coaches, we know how influential and impactful sports and team sports is on the development of kids. Like it's made a lot of us who we are. I mean, there, there is nothing that prepared me to be a principal more than being a varsity basketball coach. And the lessons that I learned in team sports growing up have really defined who I am. And I think we can say that about all kids. And when it's harder to find coaches and we've got harder to find officials, we've got parents that are are being difficult and you see all these things on social media, it's tearing at the fabric of what's really important. And my goal with everything I'm doing is really trying to make this influence as many people as I can to make coaching a better profession, to make parents see things differently to encourage people to get involved and uh, just try to make my mark and make the world a better place. I mean, ultimately that's my goal. Well, I'd say you're uh say you're well on your way. Cause uh, man, you have a lot of Twitter followers. It's crazy how this is. Ha- I, I had no intention of this. I basically, you talk about habits, uh, March of 2022, I'm in Florida at my parents' place um, alone. I, I left the family at home. I, I took a course. I had all this 
thing I was things I was doing on the side with leadership and speaking and everything. And I, I said, I'm going to write for a year. Um, I, I read somewhere like, you know, you commit to writing for a year. It'll it'll change. It'll change your life. And I'm like, yeah, I, I had a lot to share. I just wanted to write and share. Well, from, I had 500 followers at the time. Um, last year, this year, at uh, this time, uh, end of the year, 2022, I had 10,000 followers. Now I'm at 33,000. I have no idea where I'm going to be. I had, I had no intention of doing this, but it's taken me to play. I had no intention of writing a book. I mean, I wrote four small books in a year. I, I mean, no intention. I didn't even know what a newsletter was. I, I mean, the, when you start doing things, and this is just, just do it. Like, don't wait. When you start doing things, it's like Newton's first law of motion. It just perpetuates and it gets going. And then you keep doing it consistently and it starts turning into things you never expected. I've done so much in a year and a half that I never had on my radar of doing. So I don't know what's going to happen in the next year. I just keep learning and growing and see where it takes me. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so speaking of that, where can my listeners, if they want to know more, uh, they want to dive into some of your stuff, where, where do they need to go? I, I would say if you're on Twitter or X and you go to at GB1121, um, that's a good place to start. You can jump on my newsletter there. My website has kind of links to everything. It's just uh, www.gb1leadership.com. That has my newsletter, my resources, my team leader OS, my free resources, my books. Everything is kind of there. So that'd be the two easiest places to go. Um, but yeah, I, I just want to thank you for doing this. And um, I know you're starting out this podcast. I've listened to them. I love them. I love uh, what you're doing and the impact you're trying to make Bo too. And um, I'm excited to see where this goes for you as well. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's, you know, you mentioned so many things of the reason why I'm actually doing this. Like, do I have time? No, I don't. <laughs> who, who does have time? But um, I had I had a need for, you know, consistent professional development. And yep. I, I thought, what better way than to write my own questions and uh, fulfill my own needs? And I'm I'm just uh, grateful that, you know, somebody like you has came on and uh, chosen to talk with me. And so I really appreciate you coming on. And I think uh, I think my listeners will get a lot of good out of this episode and uh, look forward to following you going forward. Thanks, Bo. I appreciate that. And uh, best of luck to you and your journey as well. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Lead to Win podcast. If you're listening this week, make sure to drop a rating on whatever app you're listening on. I'd love to hear from listeners and make this podcast even more relevant to you. Also, make sure to follow the Lead to Win podcast on social media. We're on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Give us a follow and feel free to share the content. Again, thanks for listening this week. I'm your host, Bo Bergen. See you next Tuesday.